You're listening to the Double Happy Podcast with Rebecca Hildebrandt and Nick Lange. appreciate you, you having me i'm so glad that this worked out as soon as i saw on social some kind of like big things happening i was like i love these people they're like two of my favorite big things happening people i know cute well welcome to big things man <laughs> hello welcome to the big things podcast <laughs> hosted to you by myself joby and uh Naish and uh becca it was a pretty normal way of saying Becca. I was waiting for something a little bit more crazy. Uh, Becca? Yeah, well, C-H-A, right? Is that where you're going? Yeah, with? like B-E-K space K-H-A. <laughs> Anyways, sorry. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Joey is my favorite weirdo. And Joey, for everyone who's listening who does not know you, and for people who do, would you be able to introduce yourself? Yeah, that's usually like the best because I feel like people always understand only small facets of who like we all are as people um social identity complexity is a is a beautiful term that i found out a couple years ago and i was like oh my social identity complexity is rated high (laughs) 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 and it's not because there's drugs it's just because there's a lot of things um i was uh, while in utero, I didn't develop a right forearm. Um, and like, there's like conjecture that like Odin came down in utero and gave me the choice <laughs> of like, I could have two arms and be normal or not. And I chose the uh, obvious alternative of being way cool. <laughs> and um, I spent about nine months in uh, the GTA region before I somehow convinced telepathically. Uh, my parents said we should leave to London, which is like way calmer. And um, I've been here pretty much ever since. There's been a few things that I've done. Uh, by the time I graduated from college, I wasn't at graduation because I was at Worlds in Berlin for uh, swimming, which was my first large-scale international swim meet outside of North America. Um, and was the precursor for me going to the 2008 Paralympics. So I had this life as an athlete uh, professionally for about two and a half, three years um, after I finished post-secondary. And that really then led me to destroying everything about myself. (laughs) (laughs) As, um, As I think that a lot of people at some time in their life will hit, and, and maybe they, people hit it a, a few different times in different ways. Um, and then I, I really fell into pursuing things that really made me happy, which includes uh, yoga um, and music, um, which is like a big part of like why I'm here, I guess. Because mm-hmm. uh, those things brought me to y'all and y'all to me. And um, after spending time uh, 
in the like food and drink and um, uh, working at, with different wineries, uh, I realized that the consumption of alcohol typically um, draws people into what's known as a depressed state of being. So I kind of like figured out that that wasn't what I wanted to spend my whole life doing. Um, although I still have a huge love for um, the creation of fermented beverages. So I, I have my own vineyard um, on my family's property outside of town, and I make cider and mead and different things. And I, I have a bottle for you guys. Uh, oh. The cider that we made, or that I made a month ago, will be ready soon. Nice. It's not That's bubbly. Sweet. Yeah, of course. Uh, it makes me double happy <laughs> uh, to, to, to make things. Um, uh, and then, yeah, so after I kind of, like, fell... Um, in and then out of love of like food and, and drinking and that whole uh, place, I just kind of then fully committed into like yoga because it was one thing that provided kind of like in like current like mm, how can I say this y yoga when practiced with regu with regularity um, can bring apart uh, like temporary benefits like current in the moment benefits, short-term, mid-term, and long-term. Um, and so it's really sustainable. And so I, I then just really committed to that. And after a couple of years of serious inquiry practice and different trainings, uh, then I started teaching uh, pretty much full-time, which led me to Rebecca. And then not long after her and I became kind of friends and fellow lovers of music, and I then found out about Nick who makes music, and I was like, whoa. Because his music sounds like Pirates, or at least like it did at, at one point in time. That's the first <laughs> song I showed you, is my song called Pirate Song. She, she, and she showed it to me first. <laughs> oh. Yes. I know. I started it all. <laughs> Thanks, Rebecca. And, um, and after um, a kind of like shifting of uh, people who are uh, like alive and not alive happened a couple of years ago. Uh, it then like brought everyone together to create what's now known as the lair. It was known as the lair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I've just been a therapist the last like freaking like five years. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I make music to like offset all of the like sadness that I feel in people's bodies every single day. And to that to that body part of things, like you, you haven't talked to that yet. Oh yeah, so like I destroyed my body, and because I was born with with a, uh, in quotes disability, um, and I've had times uh, of like extreme amounts of imp like physical care being super important. Um, I've like delved into the various kinds of therapeutic modalities that the world has to offer, everything from like chiropractic to osteopathic to acupuncture. And TCM to Ayurveda, um, and there are different works, um, and structural integration, uh, craniosacral therapy, energy works, and all those different things. And uh, about six years ago, I just hit this place where I was like, um, I can't be a part of a corporate situation anymore. It's killing. It's like I can like literally feel my body like reacting negatively, nonstop in those situations. And then so. Uh, I just kind of like dove directly into the void that is all of the wellness. And that's been like most of my life outside of making art over the last six, seven years. I guess like about seven years now. And um, I've been running full body efficiency treatment, which is my 
practice of therapeutics uh, for about four years full time, and I just moved in July to Innovation Works, uh, which is downtown London, Ontario, and uh, I'm a part of um, a few different like wellness boards and committees trying to just um, bring this idea of wellness as nebulous and as vague as that is um, to people. Um, so yeah, I help people with their bodies, more ease and more efficiency in their body, easier movements, more capacity, more vitality. Um, about a third of my clientele are spinal cord injuries or head trauma. About a third are people who are just like uh, really messed up in other ways. And then about a third are like entrepreneurial people who are just really driven and who just wanna feel better in their bodies. Um, I also make uh, ambient music, cinematic solo music. Um, and that's been a, a regular practice of mine since I was about 12. Before I knew that ambient music was a thing or I just started to make those kind of soundscapes, like sound collages. Um, and I'm, I'm in a, a metal band called Fenestra, um, which is like psychedelic post slash prog metal <laughs> um and uh we're, we're we're having our first show and releasing our first album in november and then we'll be releasing our second album probably summer uh and i haven't like stated this publicly but like i might as well hear because like if i can't do it surrounded by double happiness um <laughs> Uh, I have seven solo albums that I'll be releasing in 2020, and so the last like couple years is seven, seven, seven <laughs> full-length albums, and and that's not something that like I say lightly because I realize how much work it is, but I've been solely working towards releasing my art or like my music and understanding like what that is or what it means, um, and now I'm at a place where I feel like at least like partially confident in ability to like put a show on. Um, set the vibe and support the vibe that I want to. And there's enough people that understand what that kind of is now um, that I feel like I can do it. And I have like more support now than ever before. Like one of my team members like is working with Backstreet Boys and U2 right now. And he's like, yeah, I'll help you do your visuals. And it's like, what the, what yeah. Dope. Say what? <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think that's like a pretty good summation of my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Past, present, and future. Yeah. Yeah. And the future is like always changing and all of those things. But, um, I'm just really excited to like, I I'm really excited for the rest of 2019 and I'm super pumped for 2020 to like be the best year ever. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that's super hard with everything that you're doing, being able to actually keep track of everything and be good at everything and make an impact yeah. with everything. Have you had to let things go other than the oh, fuck yeah. side of things? Yeah, for okay. sure. I think I think that like what I've come come to realize um, over the last maybe like four or five years uh, is the importance of like <sighs> being able to flow with your own life in a way that is generative and, and not damaging. And so um, I think it's really easy for people and like myself included to get caught up in like, we need to, to force things out 
but a lot of the time in trying to force things will actually damage ourselves. Um, so like a very literal translation of that is like if we are working out at a, uh, in something or at a capacity that's beyond what our bodies can handle, then we'll, then we'll have injuries. Um, I think the same thing is true with like emotions and like mental health as well is like if you're trying to do something that you haven't done before, um, it's probably going to be like pretty challenging. So how can you like do it in a way that's not going to hurt yourself and actually be like, you know, have time for recovery and have time for everything else. And, and I think right now with so many people, there isn't a lot of reprieve from just go, 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 go. Cause there's so many things that most people have to do within modern society, not counting all of the distractions that social media places. Um, and so, yeah, like one of the, my, like my favorite things that someone said to me was, um, like if you don't, like if if you're supposed to make a song, then you're gonna make the song. And if like you have like an idea, and it goes well, that's fine. Because guess what? There's like an infinite amount of other ideas. So 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 don't get stressed or hung up that um, you can't record some idea down at some at some point in time. Or don't worry about like if a song just doesn't work, don't worry about it. Because guess what? There's an infinite amount of songs that aren't that one that can also be made. And, and, and I think too with like the creative process, um, like some paintings take, or sculptures take years and years and years to finish because the artist is growing th themselves as well as so is the art piece itself. Like the art piece itself might actually be so large and so detailed and so beyond what the artist can do, it just takes them both to grow and evolve together. And I think that that's uh, a normal thing. I didn't come from an artistic family or background. And so I feel like a lot of my kind of stuckness and like anxieties and stressors were just due to the fact that I just didn't understand like what it was for like to be an artist when that was so obviously what I was and I resisted that for I guess like 25 years of my life <laughs> 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 up until the last like couple of years it's finally like okay but um going back to like what you say about like you know how can or it must be hard to do all those things um I think I think it it could be, but the main thing that I realize is that like essentially all that matters is am I taking care of myself and then am I also taking care of those things to my best ability? And if, if they're a part of a team, is everyone else taken care of and is there clear communication and all of that? Um, with, with my band, the first album which we're releasing and playing soon is mostly music that I didn't write. And so um, I have to practice and the parts don't come naturally or, or at least didn't for some time. But when I set my mind to like, I'm gonna sit down and play a song or all of these songs, um, I've done it enough that it, it's, an, it's easy. Um, I've had enough clients and sessions that performing a session isn't challenging anymore whereas it was at the start because i didn't believe in my own capacity to execute on the situation um same thing is true with like i just got a whole new website and billing system so the first 
like six invoices I sent, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do it wrong. And then I'm just like, oh no, it's actually like super easy. Great. Um, and so I think like in like a macro view, like I do a lot of stuff, but they're all separate things. And I've put a lot of time to build all of those over the last decade. None of these things just happened all of a sudden. Like I facilitated hundreds and hundreds of yoga classes and meditations. And then all of that experience directly went into me uh, working with clients one-on-one -on -one with sessions. And I also had quite a lot of therapeutic modality sessions over my last kind of life. So I have a good capacity at what that entails to make it good. And you know, like, you've been to enough metal shows or just music shows to know what a good show is. Mm -hmm. um, that there's a kind of requ requirement to have a certain um, atmosphere to uh, for different kinds of music. Like if you go to a folk show, it's different from like a metal show, it's different from an avant-garde, <laughs> like electronic show, it's different from, from an EDM show. And so, yeah, it, it is hard. And like definitely sometimes in the mornings, I just wake up and I'm just like, what kind of life have I created? <laughs> where where like in one day I'm I'm facilitating like couple like therapeutic sessions for people who have like what I would consider like you know real problems and I'm and I'm, I'm able to help to some capacity and then I'm talking about like metal r guitar riffs and then I'm I'm making like really relaxed ambient music and then I'm making art in VR and it's like being being me right now is like really interesting and not what I would have expected even like five years ago. <laughs> but that's a testament to the amount of work that you put in and like where you are right now. Yeah, to yeah, totally. And like, I feel like, you know, this is nice talking about me. <laughs> that's why you're here, Drew. We're, yeah. we're not here to talk and have you listen to us. But because one of the reasons why, just straight up why you're here is you are one of the more interesting, if not the most interesting person that I've ever met. <laughs> So like I'm, I don't want to talk at you about my life. I want to hear about your life and your yeah. insights, and especially for the people that do know you but only know you as a certain capacity, whether it's totally. your yoga or your music. Mm -hmm. I want people to learn the complete facets and the mm -hmm. complete insights that you can give. Like, how does one spend so much time doing so many different things? But m more, more, uh, more to the point, like. How do you choose where to spend your time? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, th there was something earlier within that I want to address quickly just because it's been a theme with a lot of people that I've been talking to the last couple weeks is um, people tend to know each other based upon one or maybe two aspects of, of their social identity. So it's like, oh, Rebecca, she's a yoga teacher. It's like, but like, did you know that she also went to school for photography at the University of Emily Carr? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait. It's Emily Carr University of Art and Design. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite little like nuggets of Rebecca is like, she's not just a cute yoga teacher. It's like, you know, there's, a, there's other stuff. Um, I think what happens so much of the time is people people get, get pigeonholed within their specific roles of like how they're functioning within society, but that there's so much more than that. And I feel like 
for some people, they'll eventually maybe have this kind of like monster erupt out of them because they don't want to be pigeonholed by any kind of specific thing. And I definitely felt that when I was transitioning from teaching full-time to then being a therapeutic practitioner full-time because I, I had about three years of, of blissful experience of my life as someone who was just teaching and practicing literally all of the time. Um, and then all of a sudden, people, like everyone who I knew, and it seemed like I had so many deep relationships, and no one knew the artistic aspects of myself. But it was actually because I, I had forgotten those aspects of myself, and was also very afraid to share those, because um, they were in no way, at least to, to me, presentable. Um, and then if I tried to share it, it was like awkward and like maybe they didn't respond in a way that I wanted them to. And were you showing them your ambient music and like, for the most part, uh, I actually didn't get really good at making ambient music until I, I, I quit, uh, I, I stopped teaching all the time. It took about a year, um, of me really dedicated to it to get to a place where I felt like my ambient music was at a quality where I was happy, in, in quotes happy, like I was content with the quality. Um, so it was actually after that time. So I kind of hit like this like line in the sand where I was like, people know me as a yogi. They don't even know who I really am. I'm actually a freaking like avant-garde ambient music artist. <laughs> like for some reason that had to, had to be a thing. But I had all this like weird anger and a couple of, of my friends in the last like few weeks or few months have had these like big career changes and 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 they've expressed a similar thing. It's like I was working for this company and I became that company because it was like who I was as a person and they were so in it. And then they just realize like this isn't who I am and like you can't just be one thing. You can't just be your career. You have to be a multiplicity of a person. So I appreciate you wanting to like pull apart the complexity that is myself because it's something that I want other people to understand that they're allowed to have that same kind of permission. Like you're allowed to be in a metal band, a power metal band and a punk folk thing. Yeah. I don't really know what that would is. Yeah, there's there's no rules. There's no rules. Yeah. Art doesn't hurt anyone. Just Yeah, except do what like you want. except black metal in the in like the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and grindcore in the 90s. There was grindcore anger too. Oh god. Oh, 100 100%. What about like uh, hardcore on the East Coast? Like Black well, Flag. Well, yeah. That, that that'll hurt, but like I don't think that that would hurt as much as like butchered at birth Cannibal Corpse at ni- in 1992. What happened at the Cannibal Corpse concert? Anything? I don't know. Maybe oh. maybe just dudes throwing elbows. Oh yeah, for the true. most part. That's okay. metal music for you. Yeah. But w- w- what's interesting when you're talking about like <laughs> identity, how you were a yogi and then you wanted to express your music self, hearing that come from you is kind of confusing because my first introduction to you was an ambient yogi in the fact that you had bowls and you were creating oh. ambient music. I, do you not recognize yeah. that? I guess no. I guess not really. Like, uh, um, I think that it's always really hard to actually have a very objective opinion of self. And I think that's like one of the, the beauties of um, the different technologies that we have for conscious development and awareness. Um, so like, this is where I plug in like, if anyone has heard of this thing called meditation, um, <laughs> it may allow you to understand yourself and others a bit more objectively because there is, there's less of that. 
Um, uh, entheogens or psychedelics are another thing that can allot for that as well. Amen. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wee! Uh, not that I'm advocating everyone do a whole bunch of psychedelics. Nick uh, is. <laughs> okay, perfect. Nick, Nick, and I can can be like the two sides of that. Um, but uh, no, I think that I kind of just hit this point in my life where it's like everyone knew me as this like a yogi with singing bowls, but but how I saw myself was someone who had a capacity to do more. Like release seven albums in a single year. How can I? Yeah, like I, I just I hit a place where it's like I've been spending all this time playing singing bowls, but in my mind and in my heart, what I'm hearing uh, a lot of the time is so much more than just those simple things. And there's an actual like. In, in a kind of way, like in, in an entire orchestra of different sounds, all working together to facilitate the feeling that I'm trying to transmit to people, and um, and then so I spent about like, like pretty much a full year just like making music almost every single day, and the, and it was it was a practice. So it was like I'm just going to spend an hour or two hours every single day just just hashing out this system, this process, and eventually. It's gonna make sense, and so I think I made about like 200 songs or something, and then by the end, it's like I was actually putting together like things that were super cohesive and beautiful and amazing from from my own perspective, and my own perspective is like pretty harsh a lot of the times, which I think is normal. Mm -hmm. uh, 100%. Yeah, like who else has imposter syndrome sometimes? <laughs> Everyone. Um. And so it took a long time to kind of quell that feeling of just like, uh, I have I have more ability than what um, I currently have. So I ha I really had to like hit that hard, and and then like once I finished my first album, which uh, I did in with help from uh, my good friend Joff uh, Gibbs, who's an amazing musician. He was a bass player for Julia. Massey and the Five Finger Discount. If you if, if want if you want to see like a really happy live at KEXP video, watch the Julia Massey and the Five Finger Discount video. They're a Seattle-based uh, band, and he plays bass. It's awesome. Um, so he, he helped me make this album, and it happened so fast. Like in two days, we had like a, a full ambient album done, and like a lot of it was just like 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 really little ideas that I had, and they just exploded into into these fifteen-minute songs. And then once I had the album art done for that album, I, w I had this like fire inside of me to just not not stop making music. And so, um, right when I finished the album was uh, a year after me being a, a therapist, and it just kind of continued. Okay, it was just I just pretty much like didn't stop. And then only in the last about eight months have I played or maybe about 12 months, I've played maybe like two dozen shows. So I think it, like for myself, it's a very natural evolution of like, I had to find my voice as an artist uh, and as a therapeutic kind of practitioner, wellness guide person. Um, but it's, it's, it's like the internal drive. That, that's almost always what I'm following is like what, what seems to be the best thing that I can do right now. And Sometimes there's negotiations because like you had to pay bills and 
Oh, yeah. um, and like that's hard sometimes, <laughs> especially when it's like, oh man, I just stayed up until like like four a.m. making a ninety-minute song uh, called REM. So when I should be getting REM cycles, I'm making a song about it. Great. Yeah. I have a meeting at nine. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think for myself, like I've learned so much from uh, Maynard James Keenan of Tool, A Perfect Circle, Pussifer. He's a man who like not really intentionally has become an idol of mine. Like I have a vineyard, so does he. That wasn't really planned out. Um, he's in, you know, some more arty, relaxed things as well as in some heavier things. Um, but he's someone who has three, six, three successful bands. Um, he has a vineyard. He has an osteria, which is like a fancy word for like a wine restaurant. He has a tasting bar. He has like a record store, general store, barbershop. He has so many things. And I really understand that sensibility of we, we, really, don't have lim- we really don't have any limitations. There's a caveat. Like, of course, we have limitations. But I think that the, the primary limitations that most people have is they just don't believe that it can happen. They don't have the mindset for it. Whereas... Like, I've always been on the opposite side of things. It's like, if you actually love something and you're impassioned by it and it fills you up, I think, to me, the most obvious thing is to follow that because it's going to be generative and restorative and, and kind of fill you up and give you more fire. And so that's how I've kind of felt is um, I've always done a lot of different kind of things. And over the last decade of, like, finishing up my 20s and I'm now into my 30s is I'm still doing all the same things and my days are still relatively the same it's just that now there's a specific external output where people are seeing the 20,000 hours the 10,000 hours that I've put into various things so yeah that's how I do it is it's just like a day-by-day thing and there's a lot of self-care like I have I probably have about like 10 hours of downtime every single day um especially in the summertime it's more like 12 or 14 10, wait, 10 hours of downtime a day what yeah like i'm sleeping oh, okay okay <laughs> like i'm like meditating and sleeping okay because like if i don't have that then i can't function at at, at a high level um there's a caveat in the winter time in like about december january when it's like fresh new snow uh i can probably get off of like four hours of sleep because my body just feels so great (laughs) what okay this makes no sense because like usually winter time i think like i want to sleep more it's darker that's how i feel in summer and you're like the opposite yeah totally um you're aware of like ayurveda ayurveda Mm -hmm. and the different doshas yeah do you know what pitta is is that one fire yeah yo nick knows that's the only one i know is pitta yeah it's all you, it's all you really need to know it's fire yeah, yeah it's fire. fire i'm like all right fire satan metal let's go yeah. yeah and like fire fire versus fire which was the name of a, a nick band mm-hmm. fire um, with fire yeah. fire with fire yeah so i'm fire so when it's summertime so when i'm when, when there's fire with fire um I have to be. I have to manage myself uh, even more specifically because I I can get overwhelmed pretty quickly. Mm. Um, whereas in winter time, 
uh, that's like my prime time of the year. So when everyone's like feeling amazing in summertime and they have all the energy, um, unless I get into like an ice bath or or I get into cold water, um, I, I'm not as functional because my body's already very warm. In um, winter time, I feel great. Like if it's four degrees and I have like like shorts on and and it's like raining. I'm just like I'm. I'm in heaven. You're a fucking freak, man. So <laughs> totally. If you're totally. if you're in London in like December and you see some guy walking around with shorts and maybe flip flops, might be me. It might be Joey. Because <laughs> um, yeah, going back to like the the music creation part of everything, when you say that you're making like 200 songs, what I hear is you're making. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're making 200 bad songs yeah totally that's um i think like uh who's smashing pumpkins the singer the singer from the smashing pumpkins i forget his name he 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 like moved to florida before smashing pumpkins existed he was like i'm gonna write a hundred songs and he wrote like 40 songs um and the singer from weezer did the same thing he's like i'm gonna write a hundred songs and i think he actually did i don't or he got like close, he got like 80 songs. But it's just a practice. And I think that's the really hard thing for a lot of people to understand is like no matter what you do, like if you wanna run 200 miles, like Cameron Haynes or these other people, you can, but you just have to realize that you're gonna have to put like 10,000 to 30,000 hours into whatever it is. Because I think that we're, as humans, a lot more resilient and capable than whatever we currently are right now. It's just that like, what are you gonna put your life on the line for on a regular basis um, to alchemicalize, to create beautiful things? And when I look, like I have a, an external hard drive and all those songs, are st- all the s- songs I've ever made almost are all on there. And on the albums I'll be releasing in 2020, maybe, a third of them were a part of that first 200 batch. Because... Bits and pieces. Bits and pieces, yeah. So, like, I I just... I got to a place, like, similar to what we were talking about before, about, like, you know, sometimes a sculpture might... T- or a painting might take, like, two years to make. And it's because the artist themselves has to learn how to bring that piece into fruition. There was a couple songs where I liked them so much or I liked what they could be so much that I just kept on working on them. And then there was also random ones that I forgot that I had even made, which is actually most of my songs, I forget that I make them because I don't listen to them all the time. Um, but I would, I would listen to them after maybe not hearing them for a year or two or three and being like, oh, okay, cool, it's like halfway done. And, and, and I know what else I have to add to it to then complete it as a piece of art. Um, yeah, it's a lot of practice. It's like how, like how many, how many songs have you made as a solo musician? Because you because you've made like four release like four albums. I, I I'd be albums? lying if I told you that I knew. I have no idea. Like one a year since two thousand thirteen, at least. Okay. So full math, six. like full e, like full LPs or EPs. It like de- they're all like forty ish minutes or something. It depends. Some some years they're compilations. Mm-hmm. Like my last one was a compilation of just songs. The space I, one. I made. Uh, yeah. Uh, again, I can't remember anything about my music because I just. <laughs> Isn't that a great yeah. thing? Yeah. It's like I'm so glad that like. I have band members for Fenestra because I'm just like, 
what do we do again? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is how it goes. <laughs> yeah, you, and you, once you start listening to it or once you start playing it, it's like riding a bike. It just comes right back to you. But most, I'm sort of a, an anomaly in regards to writing music because I've released 90% of what I've ever written. Cool. Like I just don't hold anything or I don't wait for anything. I yeah, yeah. finish it. I get to that 90%, release it, and now it's out to the wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that I think that's like the one beautiful thing about uh, what it means to be someone who lives in the nineteen, sorry, the the twenty nineteens <laughs> uh, and beyond is like we actually have a capacity to release music to the world that that didn't exist previous, and the fact that like we even have our own home studios with like relative ease and like relative small to moderate size investment I think is so amazing it's obtainable to everyone yeah which is the crazy part the barrier to entry is just yeah do you have a Mac (laughs) it comes with GarageBand yeah and even if you don't there's lots of software that's free yeah, t- yeah. Like uh, when when I was like twelve, I got like Audacity. That's still good. Yeah, it's Audacity's great. I had like, there was a week in um, March, or maybe it was late April, where I I, I did four improvisation songs. So I just played piano and then played on top of that and on top of that and on top of that. So I layered up these beautiful Im- improv songs, but there was something wrong. And I was like, ah, trying to like mess with things and make it sound cool, and I just couldn't. And then I was like, oh wait, audacity. And then I slowed everything like half speed, and then all of a sudden the music that I made made entire sense. To to listen to it at normal speed, it it just it sounds like crap. But at listening to it at half speed, it makes perfect sense and sounds exactly how I wanted it to sound. But um, that wasn't what I was intellectually thinking about when I was making it. I was just engaging with the process, and then it was like, huh, something's wrong. And most of my tricks usually work, but this doesn't. But that's the beauty of Audacity, is like a free program makes my demos now sound like full, lush, studio-quality compositions <laughs> just because I know how to use this, the system. Yeah, what I like about the having technology available for anyone for anything that you want to learn is that there's no excuses anymore. Yeah, totally. The only excuse is like, why aren't you more focused on it or, or putting time towards it? I think. Yeah. And like that amount of freedom, I feel like is so wild. Like there was a long time where you could only really rec- like make a record music if you if you were like picked up by. Uh, a record label um, or you were just like a part of the machine that was just like oh I, I I do string compositions every single week because there's like a local radio station and record like company thing um, and you play guitar- and I play guitar on like all of the songs that you hear on the radio like that was a thing for a long time and now it's like it's so decentralized every single person can be a producer Every single person can be a producer, a DJ, um, makes like high quality any kind of music you want. It just takes the time put into it. And I, I think like maybe what's really interesting is it being 
so like so much easier than ever before. There's also more distractions now than ever before that can get in the way of the creation of or, or the com- the creation or the completion of those things. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty bootstrappy when it comes to the conversation of distraction. Like I'm pr- pretty unempathetic with people who get distracted by things. I'm like yeah. just just fucking don't look at it. It's that easy. <laughs> right. But like can you have empathy for people who are so stuck in it they can't not look at it? Oh, 100%. But then in that moment it's like you're being stupid. Stop it. Yeah. So like a good example is how you can track this on your phone. How much time do you spend on social media? Yeah, it tells you. Yeah. Like every day if you wanted to, right? Yeah. It, the social media doesn't turn on and then go into your face. <laughs> right? You, you need to unlock it. With, Shut up, man. Well, well unless, <laughs> unless you have a modern like cell phone that actually scans your face and it unlocks, then like technically yes. But you need to actually, your phone is password protected. Yeah. You need to actually mindfully go in there. But how, in, but you say like mindfully go in there, but how, like how fast is it to just unmindfully close Facebook, open up Instagram, close Instagram, open up Facebook. Mm -hmm. And like, like uh, you above all people have known my cell phone use over the last (laughs) couple of years as being mostly nil um, because of dropping them in toilets or just not having them. Um, I've had like a couple experiences of going on ceremony, like going to a forest for five days and there's like no food or water and come back. Um, Wait, no food or water? Yeah, totally. Um, so within, Tell us the story. Okay, so so like get really cozy with your, with your, your tush. <laughs> and then like maybe lean back and relax as Joseph tells the story. Um, uh, in North America, in, in North American, Central American, South American, uh, ceremony, typically people go through what's called the vision quest, uh, in their lives, like maybe once, maybe twice. It's usually this time where, uh, people are like becoming a man or a woman. Um, the ceremonies are different for men and women from my understandings, but there's also regional, regional variations. But typically it's um, spring or fall time, you go to a location, usually in the middle of the forest, uh, probably have a campfire and tent out overnight, and then the next morning, uh, pretty early, uh, there's a sweat lodge. Um, the kind of ceremonies started and then everyone goes off onto their own, uh, in their own camp, and they and you can't move from like your site, which is maybe like ten meters by ten meters or five meters by, by five meters. Uh, there's no water and there's no food for four or five days, and so um, I did this last May, um, so 2018, and um, it was one of the most blissful and awesome experiences of my life. Um, A lot of people have told me uh, after hearing that I've done that, that they're like, that's crazy. and Like, it's not possible. Um, But it is. I think that humans are so much more resilient than what our minds make them out to be. Um, But you have to put yourself through the experience to believe that it's actually possible. Um, But it was blissful because there wasn't any overt external 
or internal stimuli. It was just presence with self and a forest. And um, after like my time, which was great, uh, it took like three days and all of a sudden after the third day, it's like, oh, I'm gonna wake up and oh, my phone. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> but I was so woke like three days ago. I was so woke until like right now. Um, uh, the ex- so the, the the experience that I have uh, that I had uh, happened with um, Bill Hill, who is uh, he works with um, London Health Science Center. Uh, he was a therapist for some time, and he is of Mohawk descent, and he has a place outside of Kamoka, like a bit a bit past it, um, and so he has I think about like t- thirty acres, forty acres of forest, and his home's at the very front of it. Um, the uh, reason I brought this up was because we're t- talking about like distractions and then me not having a phone for a long time and then also this happened to me. Um, I just feel like so much of modern society is so insidious in its design to take our focus away from what's important. Um, but but the important thing is to also just trust in, in yourself to know that like it's okay to, you know, be a part of the system because I don't think aggression towards it works. Mm -hmm. Um, But that it's just like a mindfulness about the whole thing. It's like, I know with myself, um, I think most days I end up spending maybe like an hour, hour and a half on social media, but that's only because my work is literally tied to it. Like I post videos, um, people message me through Facebook. That's how maybe half of my clientele speaks to me. Uh, and there's and there's like before I came here I was like okay gotta be focused I have to like send a few messages plan out some video content and someone's messaging me who's like kind of cute and I kind of have a crush on them but like (laughs) I'm really focused right now and then you know 30 seconds later it's like they messaged messaged me again (laughs) I'm, I'm just gonna look at her really quick Oh, that's so cute. I'm going to respond. But now I'm really focused again on like the work that I do. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, you're someone who's been so... Uh, N- Nicholas, like yourself has been someone who's been so in the tech world for probably the last decade? Uh, easily. Like easily. your whole life? My, my entire life has been obsessed with technology. So like... Like as you've um, fallen for this beautiful mindfulness practitioner uh, of a sage next to you, uh, Rebecca, um, primo yogini supreme, goddess incarnate, um, how has it been to kind of um, be aware of like the importance of like like stoicism and focus and, but then also like the, the infiniteness and awesomeness of technology how how have you like managed that kind of relationship with technology well it, i for me it's it's super easy it's about managing one's attention mm-hmm. and i i think what a lot of people struggle with is you can identify this i i feel like if you put the analogy to books you ever read a paragraph of a book and yeah. then realize that you have no fucking idea what's going on yeah totally read it of course again. i had that a lot more when i was younger now it's better yeah, you just sort of, for whatever reason, you read this thing and you understand it in the moment and then you go to reflect on it and it's actually just gone. Yeah. And I think a lot of us 
sort of have that same thing happen in a sort of social digital sense where if you spent, you know, your hour, your 60 to 90 minutes on social media and I ask you what you learned from that, you wouldn't There's be, like nothing. You, you wouldn't get anything from that. And practicing that mindfulness, this is the thing I learned from Rebecca, practicing mindfulness in everything that you do, no matter how mundane, even Facebook scrolling is important because yeah. you wouldn't be on it if it didn't mean something to you. Of course. And social media is very important to know what's going on in your yeah. family's life, your friend's life, yeah. and the world the, around the you. The community. Everything. Yeah. Um, I think that you're super smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joey. <laughs> You're welcome. You don't need my validation, though, because you are so smart. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I wanted to say sorry. Oh. I don't know why. Because <laughs> you Canadian. This is a really cute moment. <laughs> yeah. I'm complimenting him. Um, I love you, Joey. I love you, too, Nick. Um, but that's what, what I really appreciate about you is you. I feel like you are sort of, we are opposites in that what you are super aware of and in touch with, I am super out of touch. Like in regards... Like, like my psoas muscle? Yeah, I don't know where that is. It's okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you one day. Is it, a, is it, your, is it your penis? Nope. Okay. <laughs> it <laughs> looks like it, though. No. no okay. It's, really. it's close to... The, the tendon is close to your penis. Mm, so is it leg-related? It's the only muscle that crosses from your upper body to your legs. Cool. It's the second most important muscle next to your heart. Um, if you get stressed, like re- remember, like you know, as a kid, it's like I don't want to go to school. My tummy's sore. Mm-hmm. And like in in all reality, it's like you're stressed out because school sucks mm-hmm. and you don't want to go. Your stomach's fine, but your psoas is contracted because you're in a, like a stressed out autonomic state. Mm-hmm. Um, that that your psoas is like your fight or flight muscle. Um, and one day, like, I'll show you in a more real capacity, I guess. Thank you. Um, but uh, you were saying, like, our, um, our differences. Like, I don't mind not having a phone. Um, and me really trying to, like, wrestle with engaging with social media has been, like, maybe harder than it, sh- it should be. But it's because I, I see all of the fallacy of, like, the mindlessness of the scrolling Mm. and the amount of people who are posting inspirational quotes, but who aren't inspiring inspirational action uh, or, or they're not inspiring action. Mm. And, and and to me that's way more uh, important because I see the sustainability and the validity of that. And I've been trying to, figure out and maybe this is like a futile thing like how best to inspire uh action and inspire mindfulness Mm -hmm. in a way that's also not pretentious but is also in a way that's like also like not like uh like too too playful yeah so i guess like i'm still just like finding my voice in it because i just see like how damaging it is um one of my friends um, on Friday, her kid was suspended for, um, we'll say like aberrant behavior. Mm-hmm. And the kid is now not allowed f- like almost any screen time. Um, and it took this kind of aberrant thing to facilitate her mom 
to be like, oh, maybe you shouldn't spend eight hours a day watching, like, like binge watching Netflix every single day, nonstop. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't turn off my sensitivity to those things and how it's affecting people. I'm getting better at managing it by just better managing myself. But it's just, it's really interesting, like how different our lives are now, day to day, and like all, and like moment to moments than they were even like five years ago. Mm-hmm. Like Instagram didn't, Instagram existed like five years ago. Yep. But not like seven years ago, right? It's very new. Yeah. It's very, very, very new. And like, what's gonna happen next? Like, I can't even imagine. It's pretty- like. Like, like we're just gonna like hook up our brains and then. Well, what we're doing now is we're capturing moments and then posting it. The next step is just broadcasting our all of our moments at all times. That sounds gross. Wow. I Weird. think that sounds awesome. That's just me though. You're like pooping and well, and, and like making sounds and people are like, yeah. But the, the problem with it right now is that you can't consume and do at the same time, and with broadcasting, you can. Oh, okay. So it's like it's like Twitch, like live streaming, except it's going to be like live streaming your entire life. Like live streaming yourself doing something, whether it's playing drums, making a piece of art, or Sleeping. even live streaming you watching another live streamer. Yeah, yeah. Like whatever the fuck. It's like you watching a reaction video to someone. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Imagine like you watching a reaction video to a reaction video. Yeah, but it's... <laughs> How far down that hole can we go? Infinite. It's infinite, and I want to see it go infinite. I want to see the end of that. Is that is that the singularity? It could be, it could be. When as long, once you someone starts watching you react to someone else, reacting to someone react to someone, watching you react to someone, that's when it gets all kind of funky. Yeah. Or when broadcasters sort of uh, get into the same room, or casters get into the same room, that's when it gets super Weird. interesting. But right now, and I think a lot of people's anxieties with social media is you can't do and consume at the same time. So people opt for the easiest thing, the easiest way Which out. Which is consuming. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I feel like, are you aware of Ben Frost? I am not. Oh, yes, actually, I am. Yeah, yeah. Can, yeah, you, yeah. can uh, you say what you know? Uh, he makes really, really, really interesting soundscapes. Definitely. That's very well said. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he is, like, very, like... I'm going to say this wrong. Vehement? Vehement? I, I pronounce it vehement, but... Vehement? Rebecca? Vehement. What matters is that we understand what Passion. you're saying. Yeah. yeah, so so Ben Frost is like very passionate about, or vehement, about um, consolidating consumption. Um, and... So he makes music similar to what I make, and I didn't know that he existed until after I had made <laughs> like three or four albums. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, my one friend was like, oh, you lo- you'd love this person. And I was like, <gasps> this person exists. This is the best. Um, he has stated in a couple interviews just like how, how, in, how gross it is, how much people are consuming all the time. Um, and like, he might be an aggressive person to take that stance, but I really understand where it's coming from because if you're eating all of the time, you don't have time to digest and assimilate. And if you're consuming media all of the time, there's no capacity to digest and assimilate. And if you're like, or just like reading books all the time. 
um, I come from a family of like voracious book readers, but like there isn't a lot of time to kind of process those things. And that's something that over the last couple of years, I've come to really understand as being like uh, an integral aspect of like the cycle. Um, it's like training. If you're going to have a good workout, you also want to like fuel yourself and hydrate and have like downtime because it's the kind of uh, the recovery process that will allow you to then transcend further. And um, I think that that's very true with, uh, with art. So I'm actually someone who is really um, like not just con uh, conscientious, but I'm, I'm very limited in I'll, I, I have a CD player in my car and I'll listen to like the same CD for probably like a month because <laughs> it's just like, like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to listen to like 18 different artists in the same day because I'd rather spend time forming a relationship with that music and with that art and with that artist and try to really pick apart and understand what it is that they're doing. And it's in the forming of those relationships that, that I find is like one of the most generative, generative aspects of, of understanding art and artists. Um, I think how that comes about in a negative way for a lot of people is they're like, my band's the best band. <laughs> and like, that's so frustrating because it's like, we all don't have the same connection to, to, to the same band. So it becomes like an us versus them, like, like a kiss army. Yeah. It's like Kiss is the best band ever. It's like, well, maybe, but <laughs> like everything's subjective, so whatever. But um, I think that so much is gained from creating those relationships, like the internal relationship with, with the art. And I think, I think it allows for a better capacity to like, digest and assimilate. Um, and that's something that I learned actually like through yoga specifically in Ayurveda, which is you can't always be eating because you have to digest and you have to assimilate. The more that you're balanced and the more that you're aware of what your own needs are and aware of what really nourishes your own soul, I think that that then leads you to being a better you as an individual. And I think it's, it's all of our own uh, responsibility to figure out what our dharma is or our will, um, like our, our reason for, for being ourselves in this lifetime, and then to... Uh, pursue that with passion um, and I think that that for that to be done well requires a, a lot of assimilation and a lot of like appropriate digestion and integration and introspection um, yeah what were we talking about before that <laughs> so, social social media oh yeah yeah like there's just so much it's like uh, it's like I don't understand most of the time. Sometimes I understand this because I, I don't move from my bed for about two hours and I just get like lost in this stream. But I don't understand people who are live streaming their whole lives all of the time and how that's become this like validated form of media for people to consume. It's just really different, and 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 not for me, and that's okay. But it's just really weird. But even like, uh, if you empathize with the people who are the consumers of that, you, it's pretty. I think the the mathematics of it is pretty easy to figure out. In that, you have people who aren't doing anything watching people do something. Of yeah, it feels be. great. Well, it's like sports. Like I, I hate watching sports. Um, not the people. Everyone 
like I, I, I come from a family of like professional watchers of sports. Like, <laughs> like Final Fantasy draft was like last weekend, I think. And Final Fantasy draft, and, and like I walked into my cousin's place, and his entire kitchen table was like just paper, like mm-hmm. handwritten notes everywhere from a Football a couple of days of study. Um, but I never found engagement in watching sports because I always just wanted to play, and mm-hmm. and I think that I got that as much from playing sports as much as like playing video games like it's i would i would much rather play video games than watch one play them um but i do understand the reason why watching someone play something at like the top tier is satisfying mm-hmm. um it's just not for myself that's true yeah that's 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 a really important takeaway too is that you need to know like what you give a fuck about yeah totally because like I, I think what's it's so easy for people to get mad at each other for like not liking the same shit, but it's like you don't have to like Kiss. I don't have to like Kiss. Someone can love Kiss. It's a great band, I guess. But um, there was a long time where I was upset with professional sports in various capacities because of my own bullshit. But it was like it's providing people joy. It's providing people like a community, and it's. For a lot of people, um, community sports or competitive sports is like their only access to uh, connection to something greater than themselves. And is their only maybe like direct connection to unrequited joy Mm. um, and passion and love and all of those different things. Um, So like who am I to get in the way of them you know, blissing the fuck out because of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like, you know, most people aren't like, oh, you do yoga? You should play <laughs> hockey. Yeah. Um, that doesn't really happen. Yeah. But well, even with yoga, there's teams, right? There's team. Oh, Ashtanga. Yeah, yeah. Yo, team Ashtanga, what's up? <laughs> it's like, yo, team Joyce and like team like Iyengar. <laughs> and like team, I don't know. Tara Brock versus team whatever. People like it. Team Edward. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, you just released an album though, or you released, or are you going, are you going to? Yeah, going to. So my, my, my relationship with music is complicated in that I don't release anything (laughs) until it's done. Yeah. Yeah. But I do have a CD that's done, but I'm waiting on the art assets and I can't find an artist who just being real is like worthy of doing the art or not worthy. I, I mean, someone who can facilitate make, it. Yeah. Who, who, who can make a picture to define what it's about. Cool. Yeah. So it, but that is the next step. The music is, do you done. know Rian Henry? Uh, I do not. Okay. I think I have, I think I have a person. Cool. 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 I'm she, looking. uh, she made this like crazy, uh, space alien 3d rendered model. Not long ago, and she's like hyper detailed and really good at aliens. That that sounds like what I'm what I'm after. <laughs> yeah. um, so there's a caveat. Uh, I didn't. I don't mean to say that someone can't do it. Yeah. There's a the, the caveat is someone who can do it, and I can afford them. Yeah, totally. Well, that's the thing with art is like, it costs money. <laughs> yeah. That's a big part of like me like not releasing albums is I'm just like. Whenever I have an extra couple hundred dollars, it has to go to like real life things outside of me making my own art. Whereas in 2020, I'm, I'll be at a place where I can actually um, facilitate those things and, mm-hmm. and, and it'd be like a sustainable uh, endeavor. Well, music is only one part of making music. 
right? There's so many other different facets that go into making that full package. Of course. Well, uh, there was an entire week where I shut myself in a dungeon uh, known as Innovation Works uh, uh, before I had an office there. And I just, I only made digital art for about seven days straight for about 18 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then was like, oh, I have an, enough album art for all of my albums. Great. <laughs> now I'm going to render those in, in 3D VR art because that is obviously the next thing that you should do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I had a, a question about where does your music or where do you think your music comes from? Uh, just I try and think of things that don't exist. That's where I start. I usually start with the name of the song and then I work to create that vision. But I always make things that I haven't heard that I wish existed. That's where all music starts. Okay. Like 100% of the time, if I make a thing, it's because I'm looking for a song and I can't find it anywhere as hard as I try. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, well, fuck this. Let's make it a reality. And yeah. if I'm looking for it, someone else someone will else. too. And I'm just making music for me. Like that's the beautiful part about doing it that way is yeah. that I'm always happy with the stuff that I create and then I don't have don't put any expectation that anyone else is going to like it because it's yeah. just satisfying for me. Totally. And I think that there's like a serious purity the, the, to that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the most famous artists also operate from that place. Mm -hmm. Like I think uh, Josh Homme from Queens of the Stone Age when they were like, "Yo, like why?" Mm -hmm. And he was, was like, "I just wanted to hear the music." Mm -hmm. And then so he made it. And, and and that's how I feel. Like I was there was like six years where all I wanted to do was have like a cool hard rock slash metal heavy band. And then eventually it happened. And then eventually it's like, okay, well now I have to upgrade from like just wanting a like a cool band to then like actually making cool music. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true with the ambient music. Like I just the first songs I made were like whale songs that I like. <laughs> I took like whale songs and like nature sounds and I would like stretch and reverse and shift, like downshift the vocals and uh, making like things that uh, sounded like how I felt, which was like, I guess, pretty relaxed and spacey. <laughs> um, but everybody makes things for different reasons, whether it's to satisfy yourself or satisfy somebody else. Like, ne no one's ever. Who are you satisfying with your music, other than you? Honestly, it's it's completely selfish. <laughs> Good. Yeah, like <laughs> it. I I don't like saying it, but like if I'm being honest with myself, that's exactly what's going on. I want to make worlds, man. Yeah. How much of the time does it does the music come from? Like a uh like a very visual place and like a very like what feels like real f fantasy realm. Like, is it always, is that always the case? It's always concrete. Like it, yeah. I build worlds, right? The, I, I feel the exact same way, which is why, which, which is interesting is over the last, I guess it was like December that I came into uh, the V Arcadia crew of people in London um, they have a program called Siltbrush where you can like paint or sculpt in, in 3D. Um, so I had this like weird moment where I was like, I, I, I've, I've been making music for 15 or 16 years, like, or whatever, almost 20 years now. Um, and it's always coming from this like visual landscape in my brain. And I, now there's technology with Tiltbrush where 
we can actually make those worlds ourselves and it looks relatively okay. <laughs> That's, isn't that a weird, a weird thing though? Like, like, do you know anyone else that creates music with the physical place yeah, I think that's that's really personality based, like how you come up with ideas and how you catalog the world around you. Again, I, I use those terminologies because that's how I define the world yeah. around me. But if you're very practical, if you're very logical, then it makes sense that you're going to reverse engineer the thing you want to create from a physical perspective, or vice versa with the feelers in the world that you're going to come from a place of of feeling the space. Emotions, okay. exactly. Pfft, Tell lame. me more. <laughs> lame. <laughs> I want to. I want like two volcanoes and like a three a three eyed pterodactyl. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want volcanoes, but like. This, they're like shaped like skulls and like the eyes glow with every gurgle of the magma yeah yeah and then smoke coming from the mouth like shit dun, like dun, 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 dun. you can already Beow. hear the, the impending doom of the drums over boom, the horizon boom 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 yeah yeah right? I can hear it it's, it sounds really good it, it's epic as fuck but those are the <laughs> those are the the concrete worlds and that's where I start right so like what does soot sound like what does the the, the glow of magma come up what is that gurgle what is that sort of thunderous roar from the mm. ash in the sky and the it's, lightning right that, so it's it's all questions 100 percent. why 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 interesting so what what does soot sound like to you uh i don't know probably a lot like a rain stick <laughs> cool <laughs> i like that that's a great idea right and then just fuck with it you know add a little bit of reverb really and distortion wide, but like 16 second long verb yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's the best. Mm -hmm. Pretty much just like more verb. A yeah. lot of the time is a great answer. Well, if you think about soot or like ash, usually, especially in a volcanic situation, you have an angle. And then that yep. soot almost causes like this sort of miniature sort of like carbon. Trickle ash. down. And you want that last a long time until it loses momentum. And exact, that's exactly what a 16 second reverb would do is you would hear it, it would move, and it would slowly dissipate and slow down until it stays uh, still. It sounds so mm -hmm. nice. Rebecca, what would lava sound like? Mm. Bubbly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you yeah. make the sound with your mouth? No, not a, not as good as you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. With fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some sparkly. It's got to sound hot. <laughs> but then you get to break it down. Like this is when like I love having conversations with like my programmer friends where you talk about abstraction. And you just have to like define the abstraction of the thing because magma is like yeah, you want that gurgle, but like you got to remember magma is hot it, molten it's, rock. It's so hot, like it's the hottest thing on earth. But it's also the thing that cools the fastest, right? Really? From liquid to solid, like almost instantaneously. Oh, that's interesting. Right. So even though it's still hot on the inside, on the outside, so solidified, right? So hard. Exactly. So and you sort of have to like. How hot does a thing need to be? How much pressure does something need to be under for it to change state? And then that's when you start getting like, okay, well, if we go into our musical situation in like uh, a DAW, you know, like GarageBand or Logic Duh, or Audacity, you then like, okay, so how do we apply pressure? Well, compressor. Well, Let's yeah, compress it. yeah, like a serious compressor. And like my my mind thinks like. We'll just get like a bass synth, like a nice sine wave, but then also throw like a multi uh, octaver on it mm -hmm. and then like add like some serious distortion and have like some sweeps of the compression and like the distortion and the sound of like the gurgles can be the distortion, 
or it can be like the actual note itself like, like rising up quickly and then and then like as it's cooling down the note itself can be going from like kind of high to like then like dropping the actual note down in like a whammy pedal. Yeah, it, music is painting a picture with sound. Yeah, totally. Right. Like, uh, that's something that I've like thought my whole life, and like I never went to took any music in school or anything. And to me, it seems crazy that other people don't feel that way about music. Like to them, it's this like singer songwriter maybe idea of like songs or stories but this but but what's driving the story pretty much solely is just the the vocals and the lyrics mm -hmm. never been a person that's identified with that mm -hmm. well music is so personal right everybody listens to it for the for different reasons yeah you know some people just want to hear a, a physical like literal story be told like making my way downtown you know like <laughs> what's the next what's after that making my way downtown uh, Eating jacks, wearing slacks, no, and like I say faces past something, something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My favorite part is the something, something. <laughs> <laughs> um, any like big things coming up for, uh, for you two? So this like podcast to me is like still brand new. I just found out about it mm -hmm. within the last two weeks, mm -hmm. and. You've already recorded episodes? Heck yeah. Yeah, multiple episodes. That's super crazy. That's super exciting. Yeah, well, the, the only thing that I want to do is expose people to information and other people that they may have not been exposed to otherwise. That's as far as my intentions go. That's a pretty good, like, straight-up intention. That's not, like, too vast that it's, like, yeah. debilitating. You're not like, I'm going to change the world. Well, like, again, with... With my thing in life, uh, with my philosophy in life, I'm very bootstrappy. Just do something about it. Why do you have so many boots? I don't. Actually, I don't even have straps on my shoes right now. Good. You don't need <laughs> slip-ons, baby. Slip-ons. Yeah, but that's that's exactly. The I have point. shoelaces, but I don't tie them. Dude, just put the shoes on. Go. Yeah, like, exactly. What the fuck are you doing? Exactly. Like, don't don't overthink it. Don't fucking think about what anybody else is gonna think about what you do. Just yep. get it done. Do it your way. Yeah. And move on to the next thing and do more. Perfect, Rebecca. How has this process been feeling like for yourself? Um, well, initially, honestly, I feel like this was a bit of a joke. It's like, huh, oh, <laughs> let's just start a podcast. Yeah. That's I'm what like, every like, millennial <laughs> hipster says. But then we're like, no, actually, let's do it. And yeah. then here we are. And I feel like it's been the coolest thing to listen to. Like, I've known you for a couple years now. and Like six? There's still story, like all the stories that you shared today. I'm like, I didn't know that about you. Oh, there's so many things, man. <laughs> and it's such a great excuse to get the best out of people. For some reason, when there's a microphone, I said this in the last episode, but for some reason, whatever reason, when there's a microphone in front of people, yeah, it's more different. stories come out. Totally, it's different. Well, like I think like the the overall intentionality of or like the like the context of the actual conversation itself is is much different, um, and like. I myself am a huge fan of like long form podcasts, so I don't mind sometimes listening to two or three hour podcasts. If it's a great conversation, then it's something that's like beautiful and amazing. And I think that so many people don't feel comfortable or don't know how to feel comfortable engaging in those long form 
discussions. So this is like a great way to kind of like strong arm somebody into like at least an hour. Yeah. Or like maybe half an hour if they're like real real weird about it. Yeah. We set <laughs> we set those expectations before we have someone on that we are going to talk about intimate and difficult things constantly. And if you're not cool. comfortable with those topics. Man, like none of these things on. have been difficult except for me just like talking about myself. But like is there? Yeah, which is <laughs> difficult for someone, right? <laughs> but so I guess that's like a good segue. Like, is there something like a hard talk that you wanted to have with someone, anyone, or something that's difficult in your life that you feel like you'd like to share? Yeah, totally. Like, uh, over the last couple of days, or I, I maybe over the last like couple months to couple weeks, a couple days, one thing that's been going on in my mind um, <clears throat> on a regular basis is like. We're all getting older. I don't know if you've noticed this. Okay. That's not what I've been thinking about. Yes. Um, what I've been thinking about is like this, uh, this thing of like we're all becoming adults or whatever that means, but there's just so many amazing people in my life. And there has been so, what seems to be like so little time at times to foster those relationships. Um, like what comes to my mind is like, I know like a dozen or so people where it's like, I wish, I just wish we could like sit down and have conversations like this on, on a more regular basis. Or like there could be like just a bit more time to be engaged within the community or like the more personal community of like friendships more, but it just seems like it's so freaking hard. Like I had brunch with um, four friends yesterday and that was the first time that that had happened in a long time because there's just usually so much stuff to do. And what I've, I guess like come to is I hope that I don't end up going until I'm like 40 or 50 and like m not fully engaging in those friendships um, due to the, in quotes, being too busy. Yeah. Uh, and that's a hard thing to kind of like wrap my mind around because like I just, as like stated for about 80 minutes, <laughs> what, what my, like how, how my life is and how busy it is and how much stuff that I do. Um, but like with the relationship with, with, with my parents, I was thinking today, like I might only see them 30 more times. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what happens. What if they just get hit by a car or something? Or I might only see like you guys 30 more times in our entire lives. Like, and that just made me really feel like the sacredness and the importance of being present with all of the conversations uh, and the people that you run into because like who knows when it can't happen again um, and and yeah that's just been a, a big thing that's kind of kind of like come up more and more and more and then before I came here I was having supper at the Covet Garden Market and Andrea Gittens yeah. uh, Jim's partner mm -hmm. showed up and it was so nice because I haven't seen her for like two years she's the best I know. Period. Andrew Gittins. <laughs> You're the best. Yeah. You have to listen to this whole podcast to yeah. get to this moment. Almost exactly 80 minutes, actually. Yeah. Wow, weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had to talk about me for that long so that I felt comfortable again. <laughs> um, but, like, in talking to her, it was so lovely. And then I was, like, like all of these memories of 
the different communities that I've been a part of over my life, um, like there's just so much love, but there's also this like really annoying practicality of like, well, everyone has to work and we all have really busy lives. So like the, there must be some way to merge those things and, and, and create some balance, but I still don't know what that is. Yeah. I, I As you shake that. your head, like. No. <laughs> well, so he, the, the best way to get to that, the answer to that, like, is there a way that you could merge those two is to have conversations with people who've had the opportunity to do that. And in my discussions with people who were twice my age plus about work life or passion life balance, there is no winning to balancing that. You, yeah, ever. When you're doing one, you're not doing the other. Yep. Right? When you're in, when you're recording music, you're not hanging out with your best friend. Yeah. When you're with your best friend, you're not doing music. Like, yeah. And when you're with your lover, you're not working. And when you're working, you're not with your lover. Yeah. And it's like, how the heck do you manage all those things? And I, I've been intentional about being sing single the last couple of years because I've, I realized the perfectionist attributes that, that I have for myself in my pursuits. And I kind of made the conscious decision of like, until I feel like I'm a really competent artist, at least to some kind of nebulous degree, and same thing as a therapeutic practitioner, I don't want to have a romantic partner because I will want to and will make a specific amount of time for them, which will downgrade the amount of extra time that I have for self-development like instantaneously by like 30% or whatever it be, ends up being 20%. About 30, I would say. <laughs> yeah, 30 is good. A third of your life. Yeah. Big old piece of pie. One of my, uh, one of my like, friends a couple weeks ago, when we saw Midsummer, uh, everyone's favorite trippy uh, Swedish um, ritualistic killing movie, um, she has a new boyfriend. They've been together for like a year or so, and she says, it's, it's like a part-time job. <laughs> she was super honest about it and it was really beautiful to hear like she's super happy she feels supported they love each other because of who they are as people not as like whatever they are within societal context um, but it was just funny to hear like yeah it's like a part time job because like you, there just is stuff that you just kind of like need to do and work on and it was just it was funny to hear someone just talk, talk about like the time commitment specifically <laughs> Um, one, one, one thing you can really kick yourself in the ass for in regards to friends and spending more time with your, the people in your life who are important and you get those deep connections with, like it's, it's so easy to spend 15, 45 minutes with someone and when you finally have a reason to regret not spending time with them, like a loss, like you, with a family member or with a friend, when you actually lose someone, that's when the regret becomes solidified and becomes mm -hmm. real and you're like, I need to give everyone as meaningful, as much meaningful time as humanly possible when I have it. Yeah, totally. And like, that's why as soon as it came to mind, it was like, yo, like, I don't know what you guys are doing, podcast or whatever, but like, I would love to hang out. And I didn't even realize that we were gonna record this until literally Nick started to put the mics up. I was just like, <laughs> cool, we're just gonna hang out, dope. Because to me, like, that was the most important thing is, coming together in celebration of like friendship and like what's what's weird to me is like all of the things had to happen in a specific perfect context for us to be at this moment in time mm -hmm. maybe that makes me sound like a hippie but it's like like our mutual friends like Nathan had to be murdered for us to walk out of the funeral to then the lair come together yep at least like that's how I remember it where it's like we made eye contact and then it's like 
hey, so there's a space that we can all rent and whatever. And it's like, oh, whoa. Whether you like it or not, that's the series of events. Yeah, totally. I mean, I like it only because it's the only one that I was given. <laughs> and I don't want more cognitive dissonance than I have. <laughs> I already have enough working with people in, in a therapeutic context. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, there's... I, I just got back from a week away at my cottage up north. It's, like, south of North Bay, so it's nowhere near as north as y'all. Um, <laughs> north enough. It's not. It's not. It's north enough for me to realize that I, my body does not like the southern part of Ontario, mm-hmm. and that is okay, because uh, I can't change that right now. Um, but coming back from it, I had this like time where it was on myself and and one other friend, and pretty much the entire day was spent swimming, walking in nature alone, and uh, in like seated meditation, and some journaling. And I just came to realize like a lot of the inherent values within myself that are kind of like non-negotiables um, and just inherent to who I am as a person. And one of them is I value sleep over almost everything else. Um, but also um, like I know in, in a physiological sense who friends are because I feel a specific way around them. And fostering those relationships is one of the most important things because no matter no matter no matter how much money we have or don't have or um, whatever kind of like maybe one or two cool things are happening i find that like the best times or the best days are spent in like divine union with like those homies yeah. doing whatever it is that we're supposed to do as friends and it's this weird thing where we find that we don't spend time with people unless we're doing something with them. Yeah, totally. That's really normal, actually. Like, people have a hard time just, like, being still or just, like, being quiet or just not doing... Like, not doing together seems more challenging than actually doing things together. Mm-hmm. Like, and, like I, I've based a lot of friendships on, like, music. So it's, like, when we hang out, we make music or we listen to music, but there's, like, the act of, of doing things together to create this... Union. There's a, there's a lot of people who don't make music, though, that deserve your time, that would be better off with your time. Yeah, totally. You could brighten their life a little bit. Yeah, but then I, then I hang out with them and we do yoga or something. <laughs> or meditate. <laughs> <laughs> or we, like, plan art or business stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of... There's a lot of doing together, but like this is doing something. Even it, mm-hmm. even if, if this podcast wasn't on, I feel like this conversation would have been pretty much the exact same. Nothing would uh, change. Yeah, uh, definitely. Other than like I have me having to explain myself. <laughs> that's, that's the beautiful part about it. So this is exactly what we're talking about. This is an excuse to hang out with people, not given the, the usual contexts, while allowing people to also not be themselves around you to open themselves up in different, more novel ways so we can connect with one another. Well, can you say that again? That was a no, lot. No, I can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think my brain exploded about halfway through. No, but th- um, this this is a, a way for us to spend different time yeah. with each other. Yeah. Period. Uh, Period. Uh, of course. And I feel like because of how the world is right now in 2019, it's like one of the most beautiful and creative ways to actually bring people together. Um, uh, one of my good friends... 
uh, was saying like how interesting it is that in North America, when people meet up, it's usually based around like, let's get a meal together or like, let's get a tea somewhere or get a coffee, probably a coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in a lot of countries like in Europe, um, in Africa, in a lot of places or like Northern Europe, Northern Europe specifically is, is what we were talking about. It's like most people are like, hey, I'll see you at the sauna. I'll be there at 8 p.m. It's like, perfect, cool. And there's like bonding in these times of like nourishment um, or like going for a walk, say, as opposed to it being directly related to like consuming something. And as someone who is a huge fan of saunas and cold pools and whatnot, I'm excited for my eventual having my own podcast-like scenario of if people want to hang out, we're probably going to have to hang out in a sauna. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm going to be there at 8 and you can too and isn't that so nice that we can share conversation in a kind of capsule or a set and setting that are uh, that is like meant to be generative or intentionally set up to be one of like creating beauty I like that so to sort of transfer the conversation a little bit because we're talking about like being vulnerable and hard talks one thing we, we always <laughs> we always like to get into, which you already talk a lot about, and I appreciate about you just as a person, is your Thanks. positivity. Like, w- what <laughs> what mindset or what sort of insight could you give to, like, Rebecca and I or whoever's listening that would help them sort of exercise their positivity a little bit more effectively? I mean, there's quite a few, like, really simple things, and I'll talk about a couple of them because I think that everyone's going to have their own internal reaction to one of them that will lead them to to do it because i feel like it's always a practice like this isn't this isn't like looking at instagram where you're like yo i'm more positive now (laughs) you're like no you're you're more positive for about six seconds or less Mm -hmm. 2.3 seconds and then like that memes out of your brain you're on to the next one um i think one of the most magical things that i ever came across is this technology that's like super new like it was invented like maybe like yesterday um it's called journaling (laughs) um it's not an app (laughs) it's not an app it's um i i I have one of mine right here i actually brought it a journal yeah i brought my journal i even have a pen um can you hear me move the pages? This is going to be ASMR right now. I'm going to turn the volume up on everything. <laughs> yeah, so I have my journal. Um, I think one of the most important things that like people can do to help their own positivity is a pretty simple practice that's like like gratitude journaling. Um, and that's also like a mind state thing. So uh, every single day or once in your life or whenever you want, just journaling the things that you're grateful for. And this is like, part of me is like, oh, so lame. Like gratitude. But it's like, it's so interesting how, how, how stuck we, and, and how lost we can get with the negative thought patterns. Um, usually that's not just us, that's because of like our specific upbringing, uh, different cultures that we've been a part of. A lot of people, only know how to complain 
um, one of my favorite lines from a song is, uh, your social skills are like arson. (laughs) (laughs) Right? There's a lot of people who are like that, where a lot of people don't know how to have a conversation outside of being negative or judgmental or um, just some kind of like negativity is sur- surrounds it it's based in that and th- so i think what's important that a lot of people don't do is like th- really simple stuff like i'm grateful for my bed i am grateful for like us having clean air um and there's been a lot of times in my life where i've like done a kind of gratitude practice because i'm a hippie um <laughs> and uh there's like a weird kind of like resonance universal fields that if I'm like, I'm grateful for my time practicing yoga because these things are like this now and they weren't like this before. And it's easy to forget how much things have changed. And I feel so much more free and alive and awake. Thank you so much. And then within 36 hours, a couple weird serendipitous things happen that are like directly kind of correlated to the practices, the practice of the gratitude journaling. So that's like one of the main ones that I would actually recommend just because I felt that there's so much power in it. Um, One of my other favorite practices within like the kind of journaling context outside of just kind of like I'm grateful for everything is um, on like if you open up like a journal or you just take like a regular like two by or uh, eight and a half by 11 and you have like two pages left and right side. On the left side, um, writing like I am and so a lot of the time people will have a lot have so much negative self-talk that if it's like I am weak, I am lame, I am fat, I am stupid, I am this. Um, and writing that all down on the left hand side of the page, just whatever first comes up, I am blank. And then on and then on the right side, actively creating new pathways to be like, as opposed to I am fat, it's like I am a healthy weight for the first time in my life or I am dumb. It's like I am smart and talented at these specific things. But I think so much of, of our minds are tied up in, in such old patterns and it, it, there's something magical about writing things down on paper and being able to see it and being able to spend time noticing that we have so much negative self-talk and have so much limitation within our own mindsets um, those are two of like my favorite practices. I, there was quite a long time where I did the latter, um, just to see like what was my first correlation to a lot of who I thought that I was as a person. Uh, so those are two kind of things that one can do. And I think another is just um, taking time whenever you can to treat yourself immaculately like every single person has a different kind of uh like way to to self-care but if like say once a month or twice a month you have a capacity to have like the most ideal day ever um i like the idea of like generative as opposed to like subtractive so it's like as opposed to changing your diet by taking things out of it it's like how can you add to your diet to then eventually have less of of the shitty things so as opposed to like i'm not gonna eat gluten it's like i'm actually just gonna have one delicious plant-based smoothie every single day 
and then maybe that ends up being two plant-based or like really healthy meals a day. And then eventually you're like, I don't want to eat pasta or bread anymore because you actually are connected to the feeling that you feel after you eat that thing. So I, I think like adding a day or a half day of like super intense self-love so that you just feel more alive and more vibrant because I feel like when we're at those places of feeling really, really good, that we're able to, to best operate and move through our lives. And when we feel really good, then we're more open to bigger ideas and they can see a more objective, I think, version of ourselves as opposed to a more subjective, which is stuck in a kind of victim place. Um, so like for myself, that looks like uh, I had to, I, I moved last, uh, I moved two weeks ago, last, no, uh, last week, no, yeah, two weeks ago, wow, uh, <laughs> sorry, and before I moved, I, myself and my mother went to Skonsenov Spa, which is like my favorite place in the world, it's like ice baths, steam rooms, saunas, hot pools, float, nature, it says, shh, silence everywhere, which I love because it's like never quiet in the city. Um, and even in the country, it can be pretty loud. And so I went there. I felt so amazing. And then for the next like five days, it then became really easy to actually do the hard thing in my life, which is I had to move and was still working and managing everything else. And I feel like a lot of people don't have uh, maybe that in their lives. So it's like whatever fills you up, like maybe that's going to a yoga class and then going to a float tank or maybe it's like getting a massage or a, a session of energy work and then like going in nature for four hours. But I think that those are, are, are so important and also really easy to forget about. Um, so like that's my kind of advice for just like positivity is how can you treat yourself so well that you feel so good you're going to ignore the negative thoughts and then also what are the neg like what are the kind of recurring negative thoughts or stories that are inside of you and then can you start to slowly redirect them into a more generative change thanks man it's super practical just right off the bat because right away we're, yeah. my brain my brain goes with that is accountability writing yeah. it down and holding yourself accountable and then being able to have a little bit of self-awareness yeah. as to what you observe about yourself and then flipping that on its head. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, like, like how much of the time do we just like, like feel like we're imposters or something? And I feel like, like, for some, like some people are way better at it than others, but I feel like there's always some little, like little voice that's like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, you can't make money making music. And it's like, <laughs> who said that? Some of the richest yeah. people in the world make music. I think it's, like, that's like a silly mindset. And it's just... Figuring it, figuring it, it out what, what what that means to yourself, or or whatever the negative thought might be. But that's one that I've I've struggled with for the the last like fifteen years. It's like you can't make money making music. It's like tell that to Kanye West. <laughs> he wouldn't he wouldn't believe you because it's yeah. not true. Mm -hmm. But like Kanye West is also like living his best life, which is way different from mine. Mm -hmm. But it's it's I think that ideas have. I, ideas and, and like the mental plane of existence are so much more powerful than people understand. And I think that 
that's where a lot of the change has to happen first before there can be changes within this like physical realm. Like Kanye, Kanye West believed in him in himself hard <laughs> for like probably a decade before he had his first single. But because he was so focused, so driven on this thing, which is his artistic expression in his life, that like he creates this like mental vortex around him where others just believe in him, believe in him because he believes in him in himself so much. Yeah, there's like a chicken and an egg scenario, right? That you have to create in your environment and you need to have something before you have the result, mm -hmm. right? And if that's that belief in yourself before other people believe in you, like, well, there's your chicken, there's your egg. Yeah, you can make yeah. And, and, and like over the last maybe like six months or so, I've noticed this thing where I'm like, I'm so convinced now the of like the, the intense importance of like this like mental universe that exists and like uh like with with like my mother for instance as as we went on this vacation she was like oh my god like I love cold water. Oh my god, like the sauna was awesome. Oh my god, this is amazing. It was her first time and I was really happy to share that experience with her and and I realized like when she's been kind of in quotes like praying for me or like hoping for me, she's like, I hope he just has like, you know, some money in the bank. And, and like what I asked is like, well, can't you like, you know, hope that I have like a lot of money in the bank? <laughs> like, can't it be like even bigger and, and more beyond? And, and I, and I never want to impose that onto people like, you should believe in me. Because I feel like we, we really do have to believe in ourselves and you can't force people to, to change their beliefs. But what I, like, I mean, like what I hope, and this is like maybe my utopia hippie future, is like I just want more people to believe more in themselves and in each other. Because if we can believe in ourselves and if we can believe in each other, I think that the limitations of the old way of living and being will just shed away faster. Like I believe that like, uh, that my friends' bands and, and music projects can be successful financially, like generative and sustainable. And I hope that they believe the same thing for myself. And I think that it's such like uh, old patterns for us to move past the limited belief of just like, well, things are too hard. And it's like, I just want there to be like more, more belief in that kind of strata of reality. Cause I, like I, I do believe that people can make whatever life it is that they want to. There has to be a little bit of like wiggle room uh, to ground it in reality. But I think that it's so possible. And that's a lot of what my kind of like in quotes prayers or meditations are is just like you know I want to feel at peace and live my best life but I also want that for everybody else um, just to I want to dig yeah. into that a little bit do you yeah, yeah. do you want people do you want people to, to feel better no to, no to succeed more than you want yourself to succeed or that's like, a great where, question where's, where's your focus on that uh, do, do, have you ever thought of that my focus used to be more on others because of a kind of personality and a natural caretakeriness that I have. And I'm also like, I don't know, I'm like an ENFJ. 
So it's like super empathetic. I just want to be like on one-on-one situations for the most part. And like, I want people to feel better because it makes me feel better. And like, that's great for me being a therapeutic practitioner and also like someone, like someone to work with. But there was definitely a, like, there has been times and relationships in my life where I was trying to like help somebody or like in quotes, heal somebody when that's like not what they wanted. The ultimate trap. Yeah, and, and I think that that's like a really beautiful thing because it just helps us learn all the different ways that we function and like what our, what our skill sets are and like what our non-skill sets are. And <laughs> like uh, the last like five or so years for myself, there's been a lot of that of just like, I believe so hard in others, but I don't believe in myself. And like London, Ontario had the Junos six-ish months ago or so. Yeah. And um, the drummer in, or like the drummer that I work with in two bands, um, he was at the Junos. He has a lot of friends that were a part of the Junos, but he wasn't. He owns a music school. And when the awards finished, I was across the street at Zenza. And I had this like really weird feeling for like, most of the day. And the weird feeling was like, the Junas are happening. I know at least some of the people, but I know a lot of people who are involved with it. I have all this music. The Junas are like here like right now. And like, why haven't, like, why aren't I more involved? And I was noticing that as as a thought and a feeling and trying to not identify with it too much. It's like, you haven't been ready. And like all of this time has been going towards understanding better who I am as a person. But after the Junos and my friend came out and then we were talking, he was feeling the same kind of like dysphoria as opposed to euphoria. Like we should feel amazing because like the Junos are in London and like Sting's here (laughs) and other things. But it was this kind of weird thing of just like, something deep in our souls wants to be more a part of that. And it was a similar feeling to how I felt when I first began the musical journey of just like this internal discontent of like, I know that I can make good quality, shimmery, psychedelic, cinematic, ambient music that was, that's fitting in the context of meditation or yoga and beyond. Um, and I have to like harness that discomfort and, and push it through. Um, and Joel felt that way and I felt that way. And um, how do we get here? Oh, the like caring for others more than me. <laughs> um, and what's been like really challenging is every single time that I've been involved with any kind of like deep work or ceremony or like spent time with like entheogens, well, not every time with entheogens, but like, you know what's that? What what is that? Sorry, what's that word? Psychedelic. Oh, okay. <laughs> mm. um, so much of the lessons that I've learned is just more self love and more self love and like more self love. And it's like, why don't you love yourself enough to to charge what you're worth? Why don't you love yourself enough to take care of yourself in these specific ways? And for me, as like a a wellnessy person, I think that that's 
I know that I could be projecting this, but that's what I typically see is where people are within their career, whether they're a wellness person or not, how much they value them their own selves is where they end up kind of falling in the strata of success. Um, I think that it's a very silly thing to believe that like the only people who are really successful are the ones who are like assholes and the most mean or something, or like they only came to success because of their own selfishness or whatever. I think that a lot of the time, real success comes to those who actually value themselves enough to actually curate the life that they want to live exactly and maintain the boundaries to live that life. And um, the last couple years has really been me trying to figure out what that actually means for myself and being very specific about every single thing that I do such that it supports that. Um, and there's been some mistakes. Obviously. Because, <laughs> like, how often do you wake up, or how often does a person wake up and they're like, oh, man, life sucks. And it's just like, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. That can't be the first thought. <laughs> we should feel happy right now that we're alive. And then it's this, like, you know, internal negotiation of, like, it's okay, you're just tired. Just got to wake up a little bit. You need that coffee. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that's a great question. And that's something that, that I hope that more people can, can look into is I think the more that we can love ourselves and, and accept ourselves for our own flaws, the more that we're then able to to – to be of service for others because then there's an ability to kind of transmit that. And um, yesterday, while having brunch with a few of my friends, um, it took me a really long time to feel comfortable with charging what I feel like I'm worth. And I'm at a, now at a place where I'm calling that in and it's happening. And it doesn't feel so scary anymore. Um, and with one, one of my friends, uh, yesterday, I got to look at, at, at him in his eye and be like, um, you're worth it. He was saying like, oh, I charge this much, but you know, soon I'm, I'm going to charge more. Uh, and I could see that he was uneasy about it. And what was really nice was like, it's like, well, yeah, you should charge that because you're worth it. And like, I said it in a way that was real and we got to hold eye contact for several seconds. And I could just, you know, see in his own brain, like, oh my God, I am worth it. And it just took this like one arm weird guy <laughs> <laughs> to tell it to me. Um, the nub is my Lord and Savior. Um, but sometimes we need to hear it from other people before we admit it to ourselves. Yeah, totally. Well, like how, how much of, of, how much of, our, of our lives internally is predicated on what is told to us externally? Like yeah. maybe all of it yeah. in some capacities, which is really weird. Like there should be some more internal capacity for strength. But I feel like so much of it has to be affirmed and that's okay. Oh, totally. Well, that brings out the best in us. Like Rebecca's going to take over the world. Duh. And all she needs is someone beside her to like remind her of that every day. And it has taken a long time to realize that I need that reassurance from uh, others. Well, I feel like we all seek that reassurance that like yeah is this okay is this the right thing and sometimes we need to be told it's like dude you're awesome you got this mm -hmm. but like over and over again until you like get it in your brain it's like oh yeah like i do i do have this and i am awesome 
mm-hmm. and I can do anything I put my mind to. Yeah, totally. It's like like Kanye West made himself. He had he had a lot of reassurance, but it's like that's a like can like can anyone imagine like living that life? It must be wild. He's married to a Kardashian. Like I can't even begin to imagine <laughs> what that's like. It's, it, it to me it sounds like hell, but like like Wim Hof created his life, and like that guy's like like pretty crazy. And, and I think like I was lucky enough to to be born not normal, to not have a like some limitations placed on me. Um, because people were like, oh, this one-arm guy's figuring it out. He can probably do anything. And it's like, well, yeah, I just kind of figured out how to do a lot of things because I, I, I wanted to. And in growing up in, as a, in quotes, person with a disability and in spending time with other people who are, in quotes, disabled um, and spending time around people who are, in quotes, abled, I realized that the, in quotes, most disabling thing, end quote, <laughs> to most people is quote <laughs> is quote our our own mindsets yeah. um, and our own kind of like emotional and like mental kind of capacities, um, like just like people can inspire you, they can uninspire you, right? Oh, it's, and it happens so fast. It happens so fast, and people don't even have to say anything. People can just be around, and they're like subconscious auric field is just like draining your vibes <laughs> and like that's something that I'm like way more aware of now than ever before is like who are people who are genu- genuinely supportive of me as a person and who are not generative and making sure that I spend time with more of the supportive people but also like just understanding like my own energy management of like if I don't feel well, I don't need to engage with a, a specific person this day because as much as I might love them, it's just not gonna make anybody happier. Um, yeah, I, I think that the, the main disability is just like the mindset. And I think a lot of people just don't have the kind of the right like uh, tools to, um, to know how to work with that. But then also, I really realized in the last couple of years the importance of emotional resilience. Um, like, uh, I, I don't really want to say his name, but like Tony Robbins is this kind of like weird character who I've been aware of. Why, why do you not want to say his name? There's a whole bunch of like, uh, like Me Too movement against him right now. Oh, okay. um, well, not a whole bunch, but like enough that it's like, uh-oh. Um, but he's always been, been this like interesting character that I've never really fully like delved into, uh, like onto his bandwagon. Everyone's everyone's watching the cat right now. <laughs> I just Sorry. don't want him to hit the off button. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> don't touch it. We're on, we're on, on a roll. The glowing, the glowing red button. Make sure he doesn't sit on it. <laughs> um, the, uh, with people like Tony Robbins or like say like Wim Hof or a lot of the kind of phenoms that we have in the world, I feel like so many of them have really just come to a place where, they've, where they're able to have a, a specific amount of emotional resilience. And I think like right now with like in, in quotes, anxiety and depression and mental health hitting like all time fuckitiness, um, so many people just don't have the awareness 
and the tools to best take care of themselves emotionally. And when they're emotionally compromised, they can't be functioning at, at a high level. Same thing with like physically. And I think that that's something that's super important. And I don't know how we got to this topic again, <laughs> but it's like just so important when it comes into like, Rebecca, of course you can take over the world. Like seriously, like our friend Jim was like VP of West Coast Pier One for a while. Yeah. What? Yeah. After he, after he like ran marathons, he became like an overweight corporate person. It was like like a VP of like West Coast like Pier One, and was like which is like a Fortune 500 company. Hmm. We just know him as a yoga teacher. Yeah. And like a manager of like different retail stores, but it's like, you know, like. People can do a lot more than whatever we think that we can do. And one of my like one of my friends from high school, we played rugby and football together. He's he played uh, Vok in open air like three weeks ago or four weeks ago. I love that you say it properly. Yeah, duh. <laughs> I've seen like almost every Sam Dunn documentary ever made and other thing. <laughs> Nerds. Um, <laughs> But it's like, like in, in high school, no one expected that like myself and David Moot would be in metal bands. But like I'm about to release my band's first album, and he just played Vakken. Like, what? This is crazy. Like, like now that we're 30, we're living in quotes our best lives, which is way weirder than I think anyone ever would have imagined. Like people thought it was weird and so did I that I was on Team Canada when I was 20, but like this is way weirder now, which is great. Because that was other people's expectation of you becoming reality and now this is your expectation of yourself. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm creating my own reality, which is like way more cool than whatever I thought it was when I was 20. Like uh, for me, swimming just kind of happened. I loved it and I love to engage in practices and I just had the right, like the, the stars aligned and I had the right constitution and my coaches and family and the culture was all supportive of it to then take me to this niche top tier. And I'm so happy that that, 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 that that happened because it taught me the importance of if you're niche enough and you work hard every day, you can come to success. If you want to be the best unboxer of guitars, you can probably somehow make that a thing. <laughs> Because like if it's niche enough and like there's enough interest, it can work. And I think that a lot of the time people are just afraid of engaging in being niche. Which it's so funny that like, that's like your name, kind of. It's really it's really weird to hear people say that word. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, how do they know my name? <laughs> They're talking about me all the time. Um, niche economics. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're not talking about your economics. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but what's 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 amazing to me is if you're and like and what I learned from swimming was like if you're niche enough and dedicated enough, you can make anything come into reality. So it's like I have no and uh, I have no hopes or desires to be a famous rock star. That sounds that sounds horrible because I. I have some kind of co like understanding of like fame because I'm like maybe London famous or something because I'm like the only one arm guy. There's three of us, but I'm the coolest <laughs> one. Um, but I know that like 
that level of fame and success and like public awareness has a lot of detractors. It's not all positives, but I, but all I want is like to make really cool, weird metal music and really cool, weird ambient music. All of my heroes are internationally famous, but only to a niche amount of people. And, and that's all that I want to create. And that's what my adult's life is, is like doing that. And same thing with the therapeutics. It's like uh, Thomas Myers or Ida Rolf are names that most, no one ever knows about. But to me, they're super dope and cool. And maybe in 40 years, I will be like that uh, to the new generation of people. Um, and I think London has a special capacity to curate people like that. Like there's a lot of really famous people in London, Ontario that are super famous within their specific niche. Outside of, like, within London, they're like, like no one knows who they are. But if you go to like Ibiza uh, or Ibiza, um, that's harder to say than Vakken. <laughs> Ibiza. Um, there's a couple London DJs who are like hella famous there. They're like, oh, yeah. like they're like they're they're household names. But in London, they go to the coffee shop and no one knows who they are. And I think London has an ability to kind of hold on to those kinds of people who are niche famous, but not <laughs> niche famous, <laughs> but not like household famous. And like going back to like that kind of like dysphoria that I was feeling, and so was so was my friend Joel. I feel like it would be easy to kind of ignore that and then to blame people for making me feel bad. But I think the more appropriate thing to do is realize that I'm feeling bad because it's important to me and because I still need to work towards this goal, which is a part of why I was incarnated in this life, which was to make mostly super chill music uh, as, as a solo artist. Um, because to me, that's how I can express myself as an individual, and it's what I've spent a lot of time with. I love that. Yeah, thanks, good. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that like two hours now? It, it is uh, exactly yeah. two hours, one minute, and 27 seconds. You're really good with time. Thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually like swimming, because uh, like literally everything is based upon seconds. And then actually teaching yoga was great, because you're like, I can tell that it's been 56 minutes. And that's, <laughs> and that's why we're in corpse pose now. <laughs> I could look at the clock, but that would be wasteful, and I'd be taking my time away from this conversation right now with everyone laying down. Um, is there anything else that we should do to wrap up? Uh, the, the only thing that I would want to touch on that I want to learn about you that I don't know, that yeah. I really want to like extract from you. Yeah, totally. Sort of like a, Take it out of my brain. It's a way out, but like, what's next in life? I think what's next in life... That's a great question. I think what's next in life uh, for me is like, like in a very like literal sense, um, November 15th, <coughs> um, my band Fenestra is releasing our first album. It's a, it's a, it's the, the concert is at Innovation Works. Uh, I'm fairly certain it'll be November 15th. That's like 95 or 98% confirmed. Um, the tickets are handmade acrylic wolves. Um, each one's different. It's like poor, um, like poor paint art. Um, my friend Krista Ewer of Tiny Box of Colors making them. Um, 
it's a pirate costume party. You have to wear a costume to get into the party. We're, I'm just trying to make like the most happy and fun celebration of an album being released that I can kind of imagine. Um, so that's one thing that that's up. Uh, I'm still taking in new clients for my practice of, of therapy. So if your body wants to feel better, I'm way down to help. Because uh, that helps me make more art. <laughs> and I can make people's bodies feel way better. Um, so yeah, like I'm uh, releasing a, a website with FBET this week. Um, I'm finishing up renovations. I still haven't had like my hard opening for uh, my new practice space uh, out of Innovation Works, uh, which is exciting. I have like a bunch of decorations now and my own lights, and it's way more chill, but it's going to be even nicer. Uh, mm, the grapes will probably be harvested, I think, like second week of October. Everything's a little bit slow this year. Um, I'll be making a few batches of mead. The cider's almost ready. It's like almost really bubbly. Ooh. What else? Um, I'll be releasing seven albums in 2020. So I'm currently in Communicado with a couple different event planners and uh, DJs and different venues to put on um, a different show per album in a different location. Um, and like that's kind of horrifying but also amazing and it's all happening in the, its divine timing so I'm excited to kind of finish the foundation of me as an adult professionally as well as artistically that's kind of what 31 into 32 feels like uh, and winter's coming so that means I get to spend more time in ice cold water <laughs> uh, swimming um yeah, I guess that's it. I don't know. Buying a sauna soon. Uh, buying one for my cottage. If we, uh, if we could make this a time vault for you in a way, like what are some long-term plans that you have for oneself? Oh, like, like five, by the time ten. I'm but like by the time I'm forty, I feel like there's probably going to be um, a lot more albums. <laughs> uh, like pretty much like the metal band Fenestra is is releasing Landslide, Sand, Sea, Sky, Savannah, hopefully in the next 18 months uh, fully, uh, which is our first trilogy of albums, which will then be like a box set. Then we're releasing Dearest Sweetie, Moon Tea, uh, and The Mountains of Kadeth, which is our... <laughs> that's our drone album. <laughs> um, and then we have... Uh, the 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 first two albums of our second trilogy are are pretty much fully uh, demoed out, and so we'll be recording those. So with that project, it really looks like every six months to year we'll be releasing an album for probably a decade, because mm. we just have so much stuff finished, almost finished, or like halfway finished. Mm. Um, with my solo stuff, I think like the kind of like long-term plan is to uh, play, uh, like release more music, do more soundtrack work because I have done uh, one soundtrack so far to a documentary. Um, play more live shows in in interesting locations is what I'm most interested in. Um, playing at Call the Office is like not what my music 
feel suited towards. <laughs> but if you put on a VR mask uh, and then listen to my music, uh, that's kind of like what like what I'm working towards is more uh, virtual reality and augmented reality um, and creating my music in three-dimensional space. Uh, so having like eight speakers in a room and my music's uh, kind of being transmitted through that. Um, so I'm working with Edward Platero and a couple others to do what's called a sleep concert. And I think this is gonna probably end up happening next year, so like 2021, uh, will be a 12-hour concert where we have eight speakers in like an immersive, uh, um, like setting where everyone's pretty much like there to just kind of like chill out and then like sleep overnight. Mm. Um, and what we're, what we've been looking into the last couple months is, uh, get, getting wristbands for people and capturing their heartbeats and the heartbeats will actually drive the music that's being played. Um, cool. and that's also cool. relating to the, the led array that would be set up in the center of the room, which would be a tree. That's like the long term thing. Um, that's like probably like the next like year and a half that we'll do that. Um, and that'll be my first album that I do after the first seven that I'll be releasing <laughs> in the next year. Um, what else? Um, I'm doing a series of workshops called Down Regulate with my friend Emma O'Connor, who's owner of Femforce Fitness and Spiritual Ninja. So we're doing workshops with... Uh, um, different institutions around London and different corporations, uh, which is us just helping people to relax. So like all of my exp uh, experience teaching yoga and therapeutics and leading people um, through uh, sessions where people can, can chill out. Um, so like a, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is this kind of overstimulation of social media and all of the unmindfulness. And so down, uh, down regulate is our kind of like consolidated like workshop of just taking people outside of what they're used to and letting them relax as deeply and as fully as possible. And this isn't like us giving people ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. It's like saunas, um, cold tubs, uh, hot tubs, breath practices, and, and meditative practices. Um, and we're, look, we're looking into potentially open up a retreat center close to my cottage, as in like right next to it in the next year. But that's like, like it seems like it's happening, but I'm also not putting all my eggs in the basket. But that's kind of like what a... What the long-term plan is, whether it happens in the next 12 months or not, is, is spending part of my time um, as a creative person and as like a therapeutic guy is helping people get a lot of shit out of the way so that they can actually feel really healthy and then probably create what they're supposed to. Um, and so creating my cottage as a place to, to bring people for like r retreats and pretty much just like spending time like meditating, forest bathing, spending time in saunas and like floating in beautiful cold lakes. Uh, that's, I think like that's what, what my life looks like. My life just looks like making more music, playing more music um, and engaging in the craft of helping people 
uh, with their bodies because I feel like so much of our so much of our dis-ease exists within that. And as that can open up and free up, then people are then better able to be their best selves. And then there's also the other tools of how can people open up like, uh, and like work out their disease within their like mental space and within their emotional space. Yeah, that's my future. That's really cool. Yeah. Thanks for that, man. I, yeah, I look forward to catching back up with you. Oh, wait. There's one more thing. Give it to me. Okay, so you talked about like what are some things that people can do to help with their like positivity and like their out- mm-hmm. outlook on, on, on life. One of my favorite practices ever is can you do a couple drafts of what does a day look in your life Bless you. Bless you. Uh, 10 years from now. So like 10 years from now is enough that there's no boundaries or barriers. So like what does an average day in your life look like 10 years from now? And like write everything down. And you'll probably have to do a couple drafts because like you'll probably start to just see so much and be as specific as possible. And that might take a month. It might take a week and then you take a break for a few months and then like get back into it. But um, this was given to, to, be, to me by one of um, my mentors at a distance, a.k.a. she doesn't know that I exist, but <laughs> I know that she exists. Out of <laughs> yeah, is, um, is that practice. And I think that I did this practice two years ago, and just yesterday, in just engaging in my, in quotes, regular life, I realized that I was many steps closer than what I was even six months ago to that 10 year goal. So like, I, I don't mind telling people like what, what like, what like my 10 year ideal day is because I feel like if anything, that'll just help. But it's um, like m- my days are still the same as they are now. I, I spend between like three to eight hours with clients. Um, I make art at nighttime for some amount of time, um, mostly music. Uh, the only difference is just the fact that I have all of these external things. So like I had like a kind of list of like, well, uh, I've, I've been like engaged in like these different communities around London. Um, I, I've been associated with about this many albums being released. I have this many-ish solo albums. I have this many-ish band albums. But I just went through this entire mental exercise of like, what is my life 10 years from now? And, and now that it's been about two years, um, the weird thing is that it's actually, it's actually happening. Um, and in some ways, faster than I expected. There's still a lot of work to be done, but the kind of like weird serendipitous things um, have been coming together more and more. And, and, and this practice was shared to me by someone, Debbie Millman? She's a graphic designer. Her mentor was the guy who did the I Heart NY logo. Uh, and he did this practice with every single one of his students because he also taught design. And everyone who's done this practice has had like eerily interesting feedback. Like where it's like people ha- like, have, have done it and then they forget about it like a year after they do it. But then like 10 years later, they look back at it and it's like they actually, in quotes, manifested that life. And I think that to me, that's been a really important practice that I, I haven't shared with a lot of people because they just 
they wouldn't care to. They don't really believe in that kind of stuff, but um, I do, and it's dope. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the insights. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. This was like a lot of a conversation. This is, I haven't had a conversation with you with this much mic uh, in our way. <laughs> well, we can do it again. Perfect. I would love time. that. Yeah. We'll check back in with you. Yeah. And so I'll be like, nothing's working and I hate my life. No. That oh, and the, it'll just be one big, long, hard talk. <laughs> That's the beauty oh, of this. Oh, no. But we, whatever reasons we can find to get together and talk, let's Hell find yeah. those reasons and let's talk. Totally. I would love uh, to do this again, maybe like in six months or something. Let's do it. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. Cool. We'd love to connect and see how... How things are going. Yeah. What you've created. Pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, I, I appreciate your time. Yeah, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. This is great. The tea was amazing. The water was refreshing. Thank you. Uh, I feel like I exported a lot of my soul into the inter-ether web. Yeah. And, and also into our consciousness. And I, I appreciate that. And thank you for the insights. Like the, There's a lot of practical advice that I can oh, start sweet. taking uh, into my life starting tomorrow. Yeah, or today. It's, it's pretty late. It is. What time is it now? It's, a, it's 11. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go home to recalibrate my batteries before I engage in tomorrow. So, thanks. It's going to be beautiful. Namaste? No, namaste, dude. <laughs> just listening to the double happy podcast for more podcast episodes insights and contact information please visit www.doublehappy.ca thank you